Good morning. <laughs> welcome, Chair City Church. It is good to be here this morning. I want to welcome everyone to week five of our current teaching series called The Lord's Prayer. And in this series, we're learning about a model of prayer that Jesus gave us. So he's not saying to say this prayer, these words, word for word as a prayer. It's okay if you do it. I've given examples of when I do it to bring people to unity, to connect to people. But personally, when we're connected to God, he's saying, here's a model. Here's what I want you to include, segments, parts of your communication with God. We've been looking to a passage of the Bible known as the Lord's Prayer. You might know it as the Our Father. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Uh, the book of Matthew is in the New Testament. The Bible is two parts, Old Testament part one, New Testament part two. New Testament was Jesus was born, and there are four books called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think if I was in a coma, I could probably say that, huh? These four books changed the world. These books of antiquity, these books of ancient wisdom, these books that we believe were inspired by God, they changed the world and affected humankind like no other literature known to man. That's just a historical fact, huh? And I'm so glad that we get to jump into one of those books here today. Let's start by reading Jesus' words found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're using a, a version here, the King James Version. Actually, technically, I think it's the New King James Version. Uh, normally, we might use, and you'll see it, we'll use uh, versions that have come out in the last 20, 30 years, 10 years. And, that, you know, and that's because they're brought to us in a form of English language that we can more connect to and that we use. But I think the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, is most commonly said, recited, and memorized in this King James Version, which is cool. It's good. It's, it's kind of poetic. So we're using it for this sermon. And the, this prayer, this model of prayer, is made up of seven parts, components, actually requests, seven requests. One, may your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done, give us bread, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. And your name be hallowed is, may your name be holy. Not that they're asking for God's name to be holy. God is a holy God. He's a holy, holy, holy God. His anger is holy, his love is holy, his jealousy is holy. He's a holy God. So in other words, Jesus has given us seven things to consider when we pray to God, when we communicate with God. Last week we talked about the fifth request, which was forgive us. You did well, you hung in there with me, you know. I went home a lot lighter than the way I came in, huh? This week we're looking at kind of the sixth and the seventh request. And that is lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So today we're going to talk a lot about temptation. And why? Because temptation is a huge part of our lives. So let's look at Satan's role in temptation. So I want you to imagine the enmity that exists between two people who really were deeply close to one another. I mean, like partners in life. And one of those sets out to entirely undermine the other, take everything they have, take everything they work for, and virtually destroy them and put, and, and put them aside. And then he, that one and fails. He fails. 
And as a result, the one he was attacking, trying to destroy, banishes him, sends him out forever from the realm and the world that they share. Well, I've just gave to you a really quick summary of the, of the relationship between God and Lucifer, who we call Satan. And so Satan, yeah, they're not buddy buddies, man. And Satan hates God. I do think this is where Star Wars came from. They did. They ripped it from the Bible. I'm telling you. If you, if you, if you look at Star Wars, the, the force, the good, the evil, you look at Scripture, you look at the um, characteristics of a Jedi, I've actually read up on them. It's what God calls us to be. It's really cool stuff. Okay, I'll go. I'll just go. Listen, Satan hates God. He wants to hurt God. He wants to destroy all that God is. How does he do that? He messes with God, God's creation, the first fruit of God's creation, human beings, and he messes with God's children, those who trust and love God, God's children. He looks to mess with them. And how does he do that? He wants us to sin against God, to turn from God, to not trust God, perhaps even to doubt God and despise God. And God's calling us to something greater. God does not want Satan to deter us from everything that he wants to do, which is what? What does God want to accomplish? What's his plan? To love us, to build his kingdom, and to be glorified. Isn't that, right now, just pause, to think that you could be a part of being loved by the one true God, creator of heaven and earth, that you could be a part, truly a part of building his kingdom. That might sound distant to you. It might be ambiguous, obscure, but those people who participated in turning this building around know what that's like. There are people right now doing preschool and kids' church. They know what that's like to be a part of God's kingdom when you can tangibly see God working through you, which really leads us to God being glorified. And what does that look like? What is that? That's when God, the God, works in your life, works through you to do things, works through you with his love, with his mighty power, with his graciousness, with his forgiveness, and all of that pours it through you. It comes out in your deed and actions and your word, and people around you say, wow, that's just so beyond what I thought you could do. You look in the mirror and saying, wow, way to go, man. I do that. I don't know about you. You did well. Well, we say enough nonsense to ourselves, right? We speak enough negative. I almost, I almost said crap, but I won't say crap. That ain't it good to sit there and say, wow, you, you did it. You trusted God. You, and look what came from that. And man, did you ever think you could do so well and be so good? That's a nice conversation to have every now and then with ourselves, right? Instead of carrying all that burden of regret and confusion and negativity and on and on and on, let God be glorified through your life. Well, Satan doesn't want that. Next time, slow down your morning. Slow things down, pause, and listen to your adversary, your enemy, as he's speaking negativity, as he's speaking defeat, as he's speaking harm and regret into your mind. Listen, you'll hear it. And then you tell him, you know what? Hey, I am part of God loving me. I'm building God's kingdom, and he's glorifying himself through me. I can't have none of that this morning, yeah? All right, so now you got the background, huh? what's going on here with Satan and God and sin a little bit. But you need to understand this. When it, Satan's role his, in temptation, his full-time job is working to destroy your faith. In Job chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. 
So what's he doing? What's he roaming around doing? 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So that's what he's doing. He's looking to taunt you, to tempt you, to devour you, to destroy your faith and therefore destroy all that God wants to do. What you were just clapping about, what you were feeling good about, what was stirring you. He will always tempt you with either pleasure, possession, or pride. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. I don't know if they're keeping up with me on the screen. I'm <laughs> good for them if they are. They call it out as baits in the scripture. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, referring to pleasure, and the lust of the eyes, referring to possession. Listen. When Satan invites you to sin, when he speaks it into your mind and he's tempting you, firmly decline his invitation. He dropped $20 in case you didn't see it. Nice! 20 bucks! Well, you know what they say. Finders, keepers, losers. Are you kidding me? You're seriously considering keeping that 20 bucks? It's stealing. It's not stealing if you find it. It could actually be a gift from above. Especially since he's planning on tithing off of it. On the net, not the gross. <gasps> You've been pulling this kind of nonsense since the garden. It's utterly predictable. And I would say that you're above it, but I, I think we all know. Ooh, the cherub over here's got his diaper in a wad. It's a seraph, actually. And you're just trying to distract my friend from doing the right thing and returning the money. You're assuming that his neighbor didn't actually mean to drop the money on the ground. He probably knew that he wouldn't take it if he offered it to him. So he let him find it. Stop. Yeah, and and I have it on like really good authority that that, that guy was going to use that money for drugs and now you're stopping him. I can't believe that anybody even listens to you anymore. You're pathetic. Yeah, and and now look who saved that young man from a, a life of addiction in halfway houses. All right, take a deep breath. What does the Bible say? Well, I, I, fool me once, uh, shame on me, or I haven't really read it in a while. I'm not talking to you, and no, fool me once is not in the Bible. I think it's in the apocryphal version or something. It actually says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Boring. And it says to love your neighbor, which is the guy that just dropped the $20 bill. And it says God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't say that. Look, you know what God would have you do. All you have to do is get up and act on it. Hey, buddy. My friends, Satan will love to see you confused. He tries to confuse you. He will love for you to believe the lies that he pours into your heads as truth and reality. Huh? For your perspective. Because if you, you, if you take all that in, you'll somehow come to the point of saying, you know what, I, I, I can't say no to the temptation. Or it's too overwhelming for me. I, I can't resist this, you know. But the Bible is very clear that if you've come to know God, if you've trusted in Jesus, that one of the great treasures, the gems, the rewards we have for this is that we have the power, we have the ability, we have the awareness to say yes to God and no to sin. 
we must remember that everything Satan tells us or gets us to believe is a lie. Because John chapter 8 verse 44 says Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan is a liar. huh? The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 verse 10 through 14. Jesus died to break the power of sin. Consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. It has nothing on you. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Sin is no longer your master. Your master is Jesus Christ. He is your Lord and Savior. Say yes to God and say no to sin. If we got a new mic, so I wouldn't do that, but I hit myself so hard I did it. All right. Mike's got. Listen, sometimes we do. We, we dwell on this thought, well, this temptation is too strong. It just, it won't get off me. I don't think I can say no if I wanted to. I like what that little cartoon angel said. You know what God would have you do. You know what God would have you do. All you have to do is get up and act on it. All you have to do is get up off that couch, get out of that bar, get away from that place, get out of that relationship. Stop being jealous, stop being greedy, stop looking at those statements, stop getting off the financial things, stop, just, just stop that temptation because there is where Satan is speaking in lies into your life and you're entertaining it and you're sinning. So get away from that. What do you have to do? You know what God would have you do. Get up and act on it. Act up on life on the promises of God, on building His kingdom, on His love, and see Him glorified in your life. So, let's talk about God's role in temptation. Because when we do that, maybe it kind of doesn't help us, it doesn't make, it sort of limits the intimidation or the overwhelmingness when we hear about Satan's role in temptation. So let's look at God's role. God's aware of everything Satan is doing, everything that he's trying to do to trip you up, to take you down. You see, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. Jesus is the Word. That means God, God came down to earth and became a human being in the form of the baby Jesus. Greatest miracle known to humankind. And as a human being, Jesus experienced, this is hard for people to get. They just can't get this through their mind. They can't wrap it around their mind. And it's a tough one that Jesus, as a human being, experienced everything humanity had to offer, including the, the temptation, the enticement of sin. Temptation, temptation is to be enticed to sin. C.S. Lewis is a great author. Granted, when I read his stuff, I've got to read one page like five times to really get it. But he's good. And he grew up a believer. He went through a terrible time in his life. And, and, he, and he just walked away from God only later on in life to come back to God. For those who don't know, if you heard, heard of the Chronicles of Narnia, these kids, he wrote those as well. Aside from some of this deep and serious theological stuff, he wrote some really good entertaining stuff that, depending on who you talk to, he's got some of that theology laced in there as well. I want, you to, I want to read what C.S. Lewis says about this Jesus and being tempted or not being tempted. He says, that is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside of us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who ever yielded to temptation, is also the only who knows 
to the full what temptation means, the only complete realist. Wow. So what, what Lewis is saying is you never really know how strong wind feels to its fullest until you, keep, until you stand there. So if you get knocked over at 40 miles per hour, you have no idea what a 90 mile per hour wind feels. I know what it's like to stand in 90 mile per hour winds. I actually got caught in the middle of a hurricane with my wife and kids in a car. Oh, it's brutal. So when they're telling you the, the rain feels like BBs, the rain feels like BBs. I know what it feels like. But, only, but, but, but I couldn't tell you, but if I would have stayed in the car and not got out of the car, I wouldn't know. Something, an army, unless you fight something, unless you stand for it, unless you hold it, you have no idea what the full force is of what you're fighting for, right? Unless you, unless you hold and resist the temptations to give in to these things, the Bible, to do what these things the Bible call out as sin, you'll never really understand how deprived they are. You'll never really see these things for what they are. You might just say, well, he's a preacher, and they're holy rollers, and they're Christian, whatever, or, or you know, those are do-gooders, or I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints, or whatever, Billy Joel, okay. You'll never get that. But the moment you hold and resist, truly begin to resist taking part in that temptation, you will begin to see it for what it is. You will. It happened to me in an area of sexuality. I was kind of kicking around this God thing. I wasn't going to church, but I had experienced God in a meaningful way when I was younger, and now I'm in my latter 20s. I'm 28 years old. And, uh, you know, all summer long, we're hanging out. Where I lived was not far from the ocean. Actually, I could see the ocean from where I lived and the boardwalk. And just, I mean, like over the weekends, cre- you know, just what they called, they don't have any, they call them raves. That's what they called them then. It's a big, 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 big party. And uh, along the time of that, I wound up uh, meeting a, a woman and we talked. And, you know, we, every time I'd see her, I talked to her and I guess I was pursuing her. End of the summer comes. I go out to this church where I came to know Jesus and where I was introduced to Jesus. And that, what transpires is two things. I, I see this woman who just, just captivates me. And I have a conversation with her that just blows me away because there's genuineness and sincerity. And, and I'm like, wow, you know, oh, this is, you know. And then people start praying for me again. I'm getting calls from my Christian friends and, and I'm starting to think of God. And now I'm actually starting to, you know, hear these, this thing in my head about doing good and being good. And, and I'm confused. So I get a call about a week after that's going on, maybe two weeks. And it's this girl. And she says, hey, it's my birthday. Oh, it's a woman. She says, it's my birthday this coming, you know, Friday. Would you like to take me out? And I'm thinking, Yeah. Right? So we go out, take out, dinner, we have drinks. So now it's time to go home, right? And I'm driving to my car, and pretty much through dinner, and as we get in the car, she's pretty much in the ways that we bait each other and talk to each other. That's why I like when I met Chrissy, she was so genuine, she was so sweet, she was so sincere. I couldn't bait her. I couldn't, like, try and play this game and catch her on this angle, or, you know, I couldn't. <laughs> and I got upset. I mean, I did. I, at one point, I just melted down. I said, I'm tired of this. Give me something. It's the truth. 
she's like, hey, it's what I give you, you know, what do you want me to say? This is who I am and, you know, love God and love Jesus and I don't know, what do you want me to tell you? I said, do you like me? Do you like hanging out with me? I mean, do you like when I do this? Do you like when I do Because everything I was doing was doing to, to get a reaction from her, to lure her in, you know? So she wasn't being lured. That said, here we are driving home. So finally the, the girl turns around and she sees that she's not getting that response and reaction from me. And so I, uh, she said, hey, you know, I, I, got no, I got nothing on under what I'm wearing. She goes around and tells me, I got nothing. She goes like, okay, well, how else am I going to tell you? I got nothing on under what I'm wearing, right? And so I just sat there and I just, I was a mess, man. I was a mess. I'd be, I, I, I didn't know what the heck was happening to me. But something was in me saying, I, I mean, I heard everything else that was going on, but I was used to hearing all that and feeling all that. But something was telling me, just no. And, I, and I, then I really wasn't feeling and seeing other stuff. I was, oh, then all of a sudden his voice got louder and his feeling got louder like, no, it's no. There's something better. There's something better. I don't know, maybe it's that girl that you met that you're talking to. Maybe it's, there's something better. There's something better. Danger, man. Just pull back. There's something better. And you know, I took her home and I went home. And I sat there in my grandfather's apartment. I was like, oh, God. I did. But you know what? I really saw, I began to see them. I mean, I, I, I was like, you know, could we, if we would have had cell phones, I wonder if I would have been dead, man. <laughs> you know, I, I had to like try and get on one of And I'm thinking, I didn't. I'm, you know, should I call her? Maybe I can go back to her place. Well, maybe I shouldn't. And, and I went back and forth and back and forth. And, I, and then it just more and more and more, I started to see not just how I was perceiving all that would have felt, which really is so fleeting. Let's just, come on, you know? But I started to see the possibilities and the negatives of the pain, of the destruction, of what could... I just started seeing it all for what it was, man, you know? All the bad possibilities. Meaning, because I resisted temptation, because I did not sin, I began to see it for the first time in my life for what this was and what it had done to my life, right? <laughs> you know? And for the first time, I looked back, I broke the power, not the influence, not the effect, but I broke the power, the master of that sin in my life. Huh? You know what happened? Weeks go on. I look back. You know how many times I look back? And I think, my God, how, you, you see, when you hold and you resist and you don't give in to that temptation, you not only see that sin for what it is, but now you have the beauty of seeing God glorified through you and understanding the reward of the other side of it, right? <laughs> this was such an incredible reward in my life that still goes on, on and on and on, because I resisted that one time, huh? I held that one time. It keeps going and giving, and I keep thanking God, huh? So where was I? We're talking about Jesus. And he knows all temptation. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. He never gave in to temptation, but yet he felt its full force. And he is with us, and he sympathizes with us, and by the Holy Spirit, he's within us, and we have the power to say no. So who better to help us when we're tempted than one who experienced the same temptations we did but never gave in to even one of them? 
Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Yeah, it's, it's suffering, it's hard, it's difficult, it can be agonized, but hold! And say yes to God and no to temptation and sin. So, there's God's role when we're tempted. Now, let's talk about how God helps us. Huh? God promises never to tempt us to sin. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It would be a mistake when you pray, lead me not to tempt temptation, that you're praying that God won't tempt you, or you're asking God not to tempt you, because God does not tempt anyone ever to sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, Temptation serves to prove the genuineness of our faith. The summary of it. That when we're tempted and we don't give in, it, it, it begins to strengthen our faith. Kind of what I just described to you there. That, that was and still is to this day. And even as I drive home today is a great faith builder for me when I look back on that time and that moment. God wants to see us overcome temptation. When you pray, Lord lead me not into temptation. What you're praying for, what you're saying to God, what Jesus is saying is, hey, when you communicate with God, include this in your prayer, is God help me set up my life in a way to avoid temptations. God help me to be delivered from those same temptations that the evil one has put into my life. So now we're talking about our role in temptation. The Bible is very clear that we have these responsibilities we have the ability to overcome temptation. But if we're going to beat it, we have to be alert. First Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So saying, be alert. I have, um, some of you know, I probably talked about it up here, I have bees now. So I know, I tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a brick oven in my backyard to make pizza. I haven't done that yet. And I'm going to go sailing someday. And I know I don't have a sailboat yet, but I'm going to go sailing someday. And I told you I was going to raise bees, but I got the bees, okay? Against everyone's desires in my home, I got the bees. Yeah, well, here you go, right? So I had some people over, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And, and you know, I, I like to brag about my bees. Cause I'm a city guy, and it's a big deal that I have bees. And so I bring them in the backyard, and I'm kind of talking to them, and I'm chatting with them, and I'm, you know, and now I'm, you know, I'm going about this stuff, and I walk over, and I, I sense they're like, they're not usually that loud, but they are. I'm like, ah, but I'm not. And next thing you know, I'm putting, I got my thing on, and I go, oh, is that right? And I'm talking to them, and well, I'm, normally when I go there, I'm really focused on the bees. And I'm really careful. I make sure my, I got rubber bands around my pants, my gloves are up, the things are tucked in, everything's zipped up tight, I'm, I'm good. I, and then, and then, you know, if it's a certain time of day, I'll smoke them too. I'll remember to put smoke on them to calm them down. Well, I forgot to smoke them. I didn't put the thing on right. Next thing you know, these people from the church that I had over are watching me run across my backyard. flipping <laughs> slam They got me twice in the head. Once in a while, it's terrible. It's embarrassing. I'm like, oh, let me show you the piece. Nah, you were, nah I'm not worried. Everything's fine. I just got to know what you're doing. <laughs> I think I went down once or twice. It really was embarrassing. Uh, of course, they were gone, too. <laughs> they were out of there. <laughs> All right, so, look, again, 
let's be careful. God is calling us to be alert, to be careful, to be sensitive to what's going on because we're being attacked. And the more we're not alert, the more we're not sen sensitive, the more we entertain, invite these attacks. Huh? Since we know Satan is on the prowl, looking to spiritually devour us, it ought to compel us to live this life to, in su with such a spiritual posture, in such a spiritual position of being alert, of being aware that he's out there. Always trying to see how he's leading us into temptation. But we say, let us not be led into temptation, Father. Let us be prepared. Let us be alert. Let us be aware. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. It says, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be a person of courage, be brave, be brave, be strong, and do everything in love. Be on your guard. It's one of my favorite scriptures, man. Know who you are. Know your circumstances. I want to be careful here, but page five, we got, I was at a, was at a wedding yesterday. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said, yeah, okay, so we can do this quickly somehow. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, there were particular people that were of critical, critical persons that are part of the wedding that were late. And I don't mean late. I don't mean like they tell you to get there at, like, say, 4 o'clock, and the wedding started at, at 5 o'clock. I mean, it's 10 after 5, and they're not there, right? And it's not the bride, by the way, and it's not the groom, thank God. But it's critical people that are part of their unit, right? And one of the families, uh, the father's upset, you know? Not, like, angry, but he, he's stirring because, man, you know, we need to get going, right? Well, this other party, and, and we're trying to, you know, me and the other ministers, we're trying to just bring composure to everybody and calm everything down. Let's, you know, let, let's say a little bit more time before we can get going. And now here they come walking in, right? And they come walking in, and one of the person has a wardrobe malfunction without the details, and now they got to work it out. I'm thinking, oh, this is it. <laughs> He's going to lose it. They're going to lose it. And they walked over, and I thought it was just going to boom. And instead... They smiled and just said nice words to them. And the person looked up and smiled and said nothing. I said, man, wow. I said, that was it. Right there, that whole day, I'm not kidding you, turned on one to two seconds that when that person, that man was tempted and felt justified and all that stuff that was going on in his head because there was sweat coming out of him. <laughs> Calm down, calm down, calm down. I did. I had to calm him down. If he would have given to that temptation of anger, that temptation to be right, that temptation to, to, to put somebody in it, if he would have given to that temptation to his pride, to his self-righteousness maybe, well, man, he would have been robbed of so much that God had from that day in that beautiful wedding. He didn't. He kept it going in a godly place, and it was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful wedding. Everybody had a great time. Think about that, my friends, right? Be on your God. Be alert. Be aware. Satan is prowling, looking to distract you, looking to destroy what God has for you. All right, so let's go. Now, the next thing we want to do when it comes to temptation, to overcome it, is we want to remove, tempta we want to, we want to remove temptation from you, and, and we want you to remove yourself from temptation. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 8 through 9, says, If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for your entire life, it, it is better for your entire life to go through life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Okay. So first I want to say that Jesus is, we believe, other scholars believe, I'm not a scholar, but they believe that Jesus is speaking hyperbole here. So he's not actually telling us to cut off our limbs and our eyes. What he's saying here is, hey, whatever it is that's keeping you from trusting in God and whatever it is that's bringing you to sin, get it out of your life. Remove it from your life. Whatever it could be. You know, I've said it before so many times up here, and I keep saying it again because this thing just keeps going, about how in my home I don't have the, uh, the pin to the, the security code to the cable. And sure enough, and why? Because I, I just don't want that. I don't want to be on that couch at 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know? I, yeah, I said, Jesus, Jesus, I broke the master of that sin in my life. Okay. But that doesn't mean that Satan keeps coming back. That doesn't mean that Satan's like, oh, okay, I, I, Dave's so good, he's so great, I suck, I'm going to move on to somebody else. No. And the more God glorifies himself in my life, the more Satan wants to take me down. huh? And the more he's speaking evil into my mind, and the more he wants to tempt me, hoping that I'll open up that door and walk through it and do some terrible harm to those I love. And so I don't have the security code to the cable. So if it's anything like PG-13 or above, I can't watch it, man. You know, I got to ask my wife for permission. And it's great. And sometimes, like, when you were at the women's conference, I'm sitting there and I'm vegging and there's something really cool. I'm like, oh, wow, I really like to watch that. And it's rare that I have this calm time. And I go to, and I can't get in to watch it. I'm like, come on. So now I'm texting her and she's ignoring my text. I'm like, she's, I know she's ignoring my text. She's not even responding. Like, she's probably worshiping. And, ah. I'm like, I hope the power goes out. So after I got over my fit, she never answered me. She ignored me, right? Like, no matter what, because I told her, no matter what, don't give me the pen. And so, <laughs> so I found a way to watch it. I found how we figured it out. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. But, uh, so look we, we, look, we can't avoid all temptation. We cannot. But we can do the best we can to be proactive, maybe just even preemptive in this spiritual battle, to position ourselves in a place, huh? where we can remove as much temptation as possible. Don't think that you're going to... I remember my grandmother. I'm all over the place today. My um, Sicilian grandmother used to have this thing when it came to me and girls. She'd say, you know, it's not that I don't trust yourself. You, David. I don't trust the feelings you have for each other. She's a very wise woman. Someday I'll give you that story in detail. It's really cool. You know, and, of all the, and I remember some wonderful things about my Sicilian grandmother, but that's one of the things I'll never forget because it was so true. Look, don't trust yourself. Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean into God. Trust in God. Huh? He will make your path straight. And the straight path is one of providence. It's one of God's provisions. All right. So... Whatever you're doing, if you're hanging out with a certain group of people, I don't care if you're in your 40s or 50s or if you're a teenager, man, and you just sense that you're just 
the more you're with them, the more you're compromising what you believe in, the more you're acting out in ways that are not right, the more you feel like it's a battle. Look, I'm not saying don't have anything to do with them. I still connect to my friends in Brooklyn, and one's a bookie, and one's doing this, and I can't even, oh my God, you know? But they're not my circle of close friends anymore. My wife is, my kids are, you are. Maybe you just want to extract yourself from that group. Start building up new friends. You know what? Sign up for a, a life group and make some new friends. That's what we do here. We go in these smaller groups so we can get to know one another little at a time. And before you know it, oh, I have that in common. Oh, I can share this with somebody. And we actually go into these groups thinking not only what can I get out of them, but what can I give to them? How can I share my life with others, right? All right, let's move towards the close here. Look. You get the idea, huh? We're to cut out, we're to remove, we're to get away from things that are in our life that are bringing temptation when we do have control over that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. Paul writes, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the truth. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses. That's Paul the older one talking to Timothy the young one, saying, fight the good fight, man. Run, flee from those things that are evil. Huh? Run from evil things. We often live our lives in a way where we're too close to temptation. We've gotten too close to kind of letting, just rubbing alongside of it, letting it hang around. Man, get away from it. Worship team, why don't you come on up? When I uh, was looking to start the church, I would, I would go around every couple of weeks. I'd drive. Me and Christy and the kids would drive two hours, just go to different places to see who was doing in church, you know? Because first of all, just to think of starting church in a, in a movie theater was just so bizarre to me, to be straightforward with you. And, I, and I've said it before, it was so, like, weird, okay? Uh, so I wanted to see where it was happening in another place. And I went to this one place, and... Um, it was, you know, I walked in, and I saw people, and, and I just, my thing was, I want to see people come to know Jesus. That's why I'm starting a church. I want to see people come to know Jesus like I came to know Jesus, right? That's why I did. And I want to see where it's happening, because it's not happening at a noticeable scale in most places. And, 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 I, know, and I was a part of those places. I was on staff at some of those places, and the people worked hard, and they meant well, and they did, but it just wasn't happening. So I want it to happen. And so we're at, this, we're at this, uh, this church that's meeting in a cinema. And, um, and we sit down, and in front of us is a couple, and he's got a T-shirt on. And they're, just, they're just very casual. And after the service is over, I strike up a conversation with them. And I'm trying to find out, like, you know. But before I can even go there, they just start sharing their story with me. And he says, yeah, you know, uh, you know we've been going here now for about uh, a year and a half. He said, but at first, you know, we, uh, we started, we were going like on and off for six months. You see, I, we were having some challenges. We were okay, but there were some challenges in our marriage. And I just thought something was telling me there's more to it. it just, we're not where I, I'm not where I thought I would be in life. What we have, it just, it just seems dull, man. It just seems tired. There's got to be something more, right? And so I started just poking around, you know, books and recordings and what's out there. And I came across this church, you know, and... And it was in a movie theater. I said, all right, let's, 
let's try and get out of our routines and go there on a Sunday morning. And we did, and we thought it was pretty cool, and you know, it, it jived with us. So we were going on and off like once a month, here and there. He said, one night, it's a Saturday night, and um, I'm sitting in a bar, because that's what I do on Saturday nights a lot. I'd hang out in a bar. And uh, somebody basically says, hey, shots, you know, shots are on the house, you know. I'd say for those of you who don't know what a shot is, but I'm in Shear City Church, so you all know what a shot is. And so I go to grab my shot, and I look at it, and something comes over me, and I'm like, no. I don't want to do this anymore. And I look to the guy next to me, and I give him the, and I give him the shot glass, and I just... And I walk out, and that's it. And he says, you know what? For him, it was like, he said it was like a eureka moment where I realized, oh, I don't have to do that. And I begin to see it for what it was doing to me. And, and I began to hear another voice in me. And I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he's saying to me. But he did say, I realized I don't have to live like this no more. I don't have to do this. It was clear as day. He now had the ability to say yes to God and no to sin and temptation. Yes? Refuse to believe the lie that you can't say no to temptation. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee with you. Why don't you stand with me? Now I know there's a lot that comes at you. Even as I'm talking here, there's some people that stuff is invading your mind. That's, you know, could be war, perverse, concerning, fearful. Just to bring some clarity and make it relative, D.L. Moody is a tremendous preacher, great evangelist, wonderful man of God. D.L. Moody said, hey, you're not responsible for the birds that fly overhead, just the ones you let nest in your hair, right? Resist them. Reject them. Don't let them nest in your hair. I invite you ladies to be a part of that retreat for one day, Saturday, October 14th going out to the D.L. Moody Center in Northfield, Massachusetts. And it's an incredible place. I was astonished when I went there and all this man did, the buildings, the grounds, and there is, he's buried in these, these wonderful monument type of a grove for these 25 women who gave their lives so that we could be here today. Her to carry on this thing called faith. I really encourage you to be a part of that day, to sign up. You can go out to the guest services table. I think it's like, is it $15 a person? We really stripped this down. The church is absorbing most of the costs so that you ladies could come together. And in the middle of October, we did that because it's just a grand place. I mean, the, the views are going to be gorgeous. The environment, the atmosphere is just going to be wonderful to take it in. And then to add to all of God's beauty and his creation, to take in what this one life did to take in what these women did to come together as women and pray to seek God to worship it's going to be a beautiful thing I encourage you to sign up for that take one day men get your wives there I don't say that often but you want to do it for this day all right so look we all have a sinful nature God expects us he's enabled us to be victorious over that huh he doesn't leave us on our own He's given us away. He's speaking into our minds. He's speaking into our heart. He's calling us, drawing us to a greater way. If you are not a Christian, I encourage you to become one today. Huh? I encourage you today to know the power of God in your life over these things, these ways of being, of doing, of thinking that can be so destructive and really so, they just so limit you they, they minimize you 
you become a minimalist in the world of dreams. I, as we sing this song today, as the band plays this song today, perhaps you want to reflect and think about God. And as Jesus says, you want to talk to God. You want to ask Him to give you the power to overcome temptation. You want to ask Him to forgive you of your sins for those times maybe you caved into that. Even not knowing God, I think we knew, wow, that's tempting, that's gonna, uh, we do it anyway, right? But today you can come before God, not with regret, not with remorse, not with your head down, but boldly and confidently and gladly and just feel this sense of joy welling up in you and peace, knowing you've drawn close to God and all will be well in your soul. And as you just ask God, hey, forgive me for those times when I give it into those things that were against you that your enemy was using to hurt you and keep me, your child, from you. Know that he's calling you to a greater life of joy and peace. That's his promise here on earth and to eternity in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.